0: Hey, this is a bit of a landmark week. For the first time in about 30 years in this auditorium, there's a little bit of padding on the chairs. It's uh, pretty exciting. If you're, um, you know, if you are joining us online, and you're intending to join us at 9am on Sunday morning, I'm really sorry, but you're probably sitting in your couches and thinking, "Yeah, I got the comfy chairs." Well, guess what? They're just as comfy in here this morning, and. Um, yeah, I was thinking. There's probably a little bit of more pressure on the um, speaker now, <clears throat> because um, previously we've had chairs that are a little uncomfortable to keep you awake, and so um, you know if it starts to get a little boring or you're tuning out, you yeah, know you could quite comfortably fall asleep. And so, um, so I was thinking back to uh, my time as a kid, and I went to this, um, I went to this Presbyterian um, church, and. We did church where um, we'd go to. There's a few people here that were there, and they remember this. And, um, and, and we used to do Sunday school before, um, before church started so that we got to sit through the whole thing. And, um, yeah, woo, not as a kid. I didn't think that at all. It may have dragged on. Anyway, um, my grandfather used to be the minister of that church, but he'd passed on, and there was a, another fellow who'd, who'd taken over. And, um, and I remember he woke me up one service as he's banging the pulpit. And I'll never forget these lines because he yelled out, take the off! that's not the gospel. And, he's, and I was, wow, what's going on? I stayed awake for the whole service after that. I have no idea what he was talking about. But um, whatever it was talking about, it wasn't the gospel. And, and I stayed awake for the rest of that service. And so there's a tactic that I might use. So um, if, I'm seeing some, if I'm seeing some heads doze off, I might just start yelling. Um, no, I won't. Anyway, um, some of you guys would know that there's a plan in the new year, in 2023, to renovate this auditorium. And if you are hearing that for the first time now, surprise, there's a plan in 2023, um, hopefully in around February, to renovate the auditorium. And there will be, um, yeah, it's super exciting. The stage will be sort of reprofiled. Um, There'll be new carpet. And so if you, look, if you came in this morning, you saw these chairs and you're thinking, the chair colours don't really match the carpet or any of the decor. There's a reason, because the colour consultants are designing um, and they've, and they've um, suggested this colour chair to, to match um, the colour carpet and, 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 the, and the design that's to come. So I've laid out a few carpet squares over there. Um, just so you can come and check them out later on. But that's the colour carpet that's going to go in here later on. You can kind of see what the chairs um, look like against the floor. And if you're joining online, I'm really sorry. Um, You can just come to church and check them out. (laughs) Tuesdays to Fridays, 9 to 5, and I'll be here. I'll give you a tour. All right. For those joining us this morning, for the first or second time, we are now 25 weeks of our way through a 31-week journey through the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And um, we're hearing about God's upper story, how he was leading his people throughout time, the nation of Israel, to be an example of what it looks like to be in relationship with him. And um, and we learn that... Um, that they get it wrong. And, there's, and in a fallen world um, where this nation is supposed to be example, they continue, even though God is their king and their guide, um, they keep making the mistakes. But by his grace and mercy, his very nature of love, means that there was always an ultimate plan. And that, and that plan is realized as it's revealed as we begin the New Testament in Jesus Christ. The Messiah sent to earth, not just coming onto the scene at Christmas time, but actually being sent from heaven on that Christmas morning. We realize that Jesus always was. As Pastor Adam shared last week in his message, Jesus was no ordinary man. He's someone to look to, to listen to. And to learn from and hold on to in both good and bad times. And just on that point, as I was reading the chapter this week, chapter 25, had a bit of a chuckle on, at, at one of the um, parts in the story on page 354, which comes from the Gospel of Luke. And they use both Luke and Mark to tell, to tell this story. I'm going to read it here. Uh, Luke chapter 9. And then, and then the story continues in Mark chapter 9. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And we're talking about the transfiguration of Jesus here. And his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. And they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. Continuing in Mark, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let, let, let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. It's a little weird. But Peter didn't know what to say, it says here, they were so because they were so frightened. But then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud that said, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. It's funny to me because there's this amazing thing that's happening right in front of their very eyes. And Peter, who I feel like I can relate to you know, more and more as I read about him, gets you know, super awkward in amongst what's going on. And, and as Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah, who'd been taken up to heaven several hundred years earlier, the disciples there that are with them are like this really awkward fourth wheel you know, off to the side, going, oh, "This is crazy," and and the very Israelite thing to do would be when something majestic happens, would be to commemorate that with doing something or building something. You know, as as um, Joshua led the Israelites into across the Jordan, the Israelites commemorate that moment with stones. They build, they put twelve stones there as. Um, signifying the 12 tribes of, um, of Israel. And there's wells and there's festivals and there's shelters that are built to signify um, these moments. And so Peter feels like he's got to do something in this moment to commemorate it, and, and he's not even sure of what to say. And so he asks if he can build three shelters. And as it says in Matthew, while he was still talking, a cloud appeared and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Just listen to him. If you want to hear the Lord speak, stop doing and just listen to him. It made me think about Adam's point. You know, that two ears to hear point. And I was reminded of um, Ray Akers, who I'm sure is he'll be watching online later on. But he used to say something along the lines of, you've got two ears and one mouth. So listen twice as hard as you speak, or twice as long as you speak. I don't I want to give it, I don't want to take away from that, but it's, it's, that's something that stuck with me. How many of us can't just simply spend the time listening to Jesus? But like Peter, feel like we've got to do something all the time. You know, I feel like God's saying at the moment, yeah, maybe he doesn't come in a cloud, although he'd be good, but it's just stop, just listen to my son. Peter's offer of a shelter for each of the three shows he is much in awe of Moses and Elijah as he is of Jesus. And, um, and in his offer, he makes Jesus equal to both of these men. And at that moment, the voice of God, the Father of Heaven, rebukes Peter and corrects his error. No, he's my son, whom I love. Listen to him. The title of the chapter this week is called Jesus, the Son of God. And as um, Robin and Greg and I were talking this week, as we were stacking out chairs, actually, just want to... I just want to call out those that came on Friday to, to unload a, a um, container and put some chairs in the auditorium. It was hard work. But um, thank you so much to, um, to all of those who came. You know who you are. But as I was talking to Robin and Greg on that day, we were just commenting how much longer the chapter was this week to read. You know, Nathan said it was only going to take us 15 minutes a week to read each chapter. chapter. It's not a big commitment. It took me about 30 minutes this week. <laughs> But um, I feel like the establishment of the authenticity of Christ is that important. It's an important part of the story of the Bible that it warrants, you know, that length. The death of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice has significance for our eternal salvation because of who Jesus says he is. You know, that he's not only Lord, but he is also son of the Father. It's a really major point of the Bible. He's greater than all the people that have come before, including Elijah and Moses. They would be in awe as they're talking at his transfiguration of Jesus Christ. It's worth labouring on that point. Because before we head into Jesus' final hours next week... We should know why it had to be him. Yeah, there are a number of um, distinctives of Jesus' ministry in this chapter that I noticed. As his time on earth draws to an end. First, I notice that right throughout this chapter, there is an increased sense of urgency in Jesus' ministry. And he's making incredibly bold and public claims about who he is. At the Festival of Tabernacles, he cries out, he cries out, it says, that he is from God. In John chapter 7, he says, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. And at this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. You know, later on in John chapter 8, Jesus declares that, Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. And Jesus' opponents call him out to say that even as great as Abraham was, he still died young. And you're saying you're even greater than Abraham? To which... Jesus replies in John chapter 8. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. In these instances, Jesus' opponents attempted to either kill him or arrest him, but here is another observation that I took away from this chapter. That no matter the plans of man, no one can come against the plans of God. The place, the time, the hour, the very minute. This was already determined. Right throughout the Old Testament in Jesus' life, his death was determined before time you know, before Abraham, and no one could come up against it. Another observation in his final days: even the miracles of Jesus are greater. You know, he, um, he demonstrates his power over over even death, as um, Lazarus, who had been in a tomb for four days, is raised from death to life. At the mere sound of Jesus' voice, Lazarus, come out. So this morning, I'm going to to raise two questions for us to consider from this chapter. I mentioned that Jesus makes some bold statements prior to his death, but let's go deeper into that. Here's, Here's the first question. Who does Jesus say he is? We've got a little head start because we've taken some excerpts from from the Festival of Tabernacles as Jesus declares that he is from God. And also, before Abraham was, I am. Those two words, I am, are used over 300 times throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. It's used by God to identify himself. So these are choice words. These aren't just two words, these are choice words that Jesus uses to declare himself that he is God. Hence the fact that his opponents responded to him with stones to throw and kill him. As far as they are concerned, it's blasphemy. How can you say that you are God? So that was the first takeaway. The second is that he is a reflection of the father. Let's just go back to John chapter 5. We read it in, uh, in chapter 24 in last week. And it says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son And shows him all he does. Many of you will know that it was my father, Ian, that brought me um, to this church some 30-ish years ago. I sent a photo in, actually. I wonder if it's going to make it up the top. Oh, there it is. There he is. Now, Dad's down there. He didn't know I was going to show this. And so he's like, what are you doing? He's sitting there, row three. Two rows in, middle aisle, as he does faithfully each week. As you look at me, and then my dad, that guy sitting there, you might think, man, if he's going to use Mark's likeness to his dad to try and illustrate this point of, you know, being a reflection of the father, well, for starters, he's got grey hair, and Mark so has cute. still got a <laughs> yeah, I've got a little bit of grey hair too, but it's mostly brown still. <laughs> but, even, but even still... Dad never really had my colour hair, That's, that's as red as red can be, carrot top. But despite the physical differences, if you got to know both my dad and I, you'd observe some interesting similarities. We both get frustrated at similar things. We both coach soccer teams, and if you're on the sideline of both teams that we coach, you'd notice that we have a similar temperament. We also have both, we both have um, really loud voices. I was talking to a father um, of one of the boys I used to coach yesterday, and and he said, as I arrived at the field today, I heard the dulcet tones of a voice that was so familiar to me. (laughs) And he goes, and it made me smile, and I wasn't sure if he was smiling because he's so thankful that I'm not coaching his son this year or not. No, that's not true. We had great success. And a lot of fun. And if he's still playing, that means I didn't, you know, I wasn't too hard on him. But um, what else? We both worked in IT as our occupation. We both played guitar and worship led. And we have for years. We both have four kids. We even both like the same music. I remember growing up to um, Simon and Garfunkel and Don McLean and and listening to classical music. And these things have influenced um, my musical taste even now. And as I'm thinking about all all of this, it's actually a little little eerie. (laughs) But apart from the physical differences, my life has been heavily influenced, but I'm not an exact reflection of my father. We think differently on many things, and I'm sure he'd scratch his head as he thinks about some of the decisions I've made in my life over time. When I think about, when we think about the Father's relationship to the Son and Jesus and God's context, don't think about your own paternal context. This is different. As we've gone throughout the Old Testament half of the story series, we'll remember the mystery of God. Represented often, um, God is often represented by leaders and prophets and we get glimpses here and there of what God is actually like, but it's often through the lens of one of, these, of one of these men. But when Jesus is sent, we see God through him. We see God through Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, there is this incredible revelation of who God is. So you want, to know, you want to know God. Read your gospel and know Jesus. On page 360 in this chapter, when after Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus had died, Jesus mourns with them. And the Bible tells us that he weeps. So much so that those who were with the sisters mourning their brother, they remarked, see how he loved this man. When we see the love of Jesus, it is only reflecting the love of God. On page 361, when people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place their hand on them and bless them, the disciples rebuked them. But the Bible says that Jesus was indignant. That means he was annoyed by what was happening. Jesus tells them that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. When we see the disdain of injustice from Jesus, it's only reflecting the character of God. On, on page 365, 365 of this chapter, on John chapter 12, when Jesus declares, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness, we witness the mercy, the mercy, of Jesus and as we do he reflects the mercy of the father because as Jesus said in John chapter 5 I tell you the truth the son can do nothing by himself he can only sit he can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does the son does also for the father loves the son and shows him all he does the son is a reflection of the Father. And so actually, let's change this point right now to get it clear. The Son is a 100% reflection of the Father. He is a 100% reflection of the Father. So if Jesus is our light and we're to be reflecting him, How well are we reflecting the character of Christ in our own lives? How well are you reflecting Jesus in your own life? I'm going to jump forward one chapter into chapter 26 briefly because later on, on the night Jesus was betrayed, Jesus and his disciples have an interesting conversation as he once again reiterates this point. And it's a little bit of a long reading, so bear with us. John chapter 14, it says, from 1 to 11. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, and you can almost hear the exasperation a little bit. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know, Philip? Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves, on his miracles. Here, as Jesus once again emphasizes his sonship, he also shares our third point to that question of who does Jesus say that he is. And that's this, that he is the only way to the Father. John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, just in case I'm stealing the thunder from next week's chapter, because that's in it. He says to Martha and Mary, as he raised Lazarus from the death in this week's chapter, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Christianity has never been your thing. And you've been disillusioned by religion. I understand that. One thing that you contend with as a pastor and even as a Christian who attends church is the perception of the church based upon historical behaviour media reports and these things. You know, I cried as I heard story after story of the abuse of children while in the care of primarily religious institutions in, a, in that recent Royal Commission. The many stories we hear of abuse of power by leaders in the Christian church is repulsive, But Jesus' example is not that. Read the gospel of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And you'll you can actually easily easily read all four of those books in one week. You'll find a loving, compassionate, caring, patient, merciful savior who is interested in a relationship with every single one of us. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Because it's the it's the crux of the whole book of the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth. We rebelled and chose our own way. It resulted in chaos, but God had a plan to come. From heaven to earth as a man to show us the way. But not only to show us the way, but pay the penalty for our sin. All he asks us to do is believe in him. Believe in him. This is the way, the only way to the Father. If you haven't made that commitment, are you ready for your life to change? Because it will. That's the upper story. 31 weeks condensed into that point. Jesus is the way. Believe in him and receive salvation. In Matthew chapter 16... It helps us to answer the second question that we're going to pose today. And it is the most important question that you will ever face in your life. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? What about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Question two this morning is, who do you say he is? This is the most important question you'll have to face because if, like Simon, you answer He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Then prepare to enter into a life that is not shaped by any religious institution, but by Jesus Christ. It is a good life, a joyful life, a life that is rich in blessing, love and peace, and a life that begins today and never ends. That's the promise. Paul gave some clarity around our standing in the kingdom of God. Unlike Jesus, who was the natural-born son of God, we are adopted into his kingdom as sons and daughters of the Most High. We're not equal to Jesus Christ. However, we do share the same glorious inheritance as that of Jesus Christ. So today I'm believing that God's on the move. I'm feeling an even greater sense of urgency to share to those who are lost, to come into the light. He's drawing those that he loves to himself. And so in obedience, I'm going to pray. And if you're prompted to answer the question of who you say Jesus is with he is the Messiah, the Son of God, Lord of my life, then I invite you to join me in this prayer. If you are unsure, can I encourage you to taste and see that the Lord is good? If you've fallen away in your faith and you once considered Jesus as your Messiah, Lord of your life, but as you contemplate your reflection, as you contemplate your reflection of Jesus Christ, you're also contemplating your distance from him. Well, today today is the day to come back into the light, confess your sin and recommit yourself to him. If any of this is you and you want to invite Jesus into your heart this morning, then I invite you to pray this prayer quietly in your heart. After this song the altar prayer ministry team will um, be at the front. And I encourage you to come and receive prayer from them. Or if not, please come and see me because I want to meet with you and I want to pray with you. So let's bow our heads in prayer and I just welcome the worship team up as we go to. And if today... You know, I was humbled, actually, to, to, to come to this point. That God would use me, but this is not me asking. This is God speaking into your life and drawing him to you to himself. And so if he is drawing you in this morning and you're feeling compelled to respond, as we bow our heads, we pray, dear God. I know I'm a sinner. But Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. He is the risen Savior. I want to trust him as my Savior and follow him as Lord. From this day forward, regardless of what has been. Father, the shame of our sin, Father, you have said that it is now as far from the east as from the west. That sin is no more and it is forgotten in Jesus' name. Father, guide my life and help me to do your will. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.